All right. Here we go. Yay. <laughs> I was having a little technical difficulty there, but it seems that it's all good now. Oh, I'm so grateful to join with you. I love these prayer power classes. Welcome to Prayer Power Week 3. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I love to pray. <laughs> so let us pray right now. So we're opening our heart, opening our mind to the higher Holy Spirit self. So grateful and thankful to consciously attune to the power and the presence of perfect love active in our heart, in our mind, in our life. We are grateful and thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of remembering the truth that sets us free, remembering our true identity. We are grateful and thankful to make a holy offering right here, right now, of all false beliefs, all false thoughts, all false identification. We're allowing ourselves to recognize that we're already as perfect as we can be. We're already pure love. We cannot become any more pure, more holy than we already are. And we are grateful and thankful to recognize this perfection, this beauty, this wholeness. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to consciously attune to our freedom. Yes. We gather together in masterful living for the purpose of releasing all that does not serve us. And what I declare and know is that we have everything we need to have extraordinary healing. We have everything we need to live a life of pure love, true joy. We are consciously intending to be happy, joyful learners, sharing the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. Our time together is dedicated to our awakening, our healing, and we are grateful to allow it to be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Hmm. Yes. Yes, indeed. Mm. Yeah. So, here we go. <laughs> I am so grateful that we are doing this work together, this expansion together. We've just come through an energetic intensity that uh, we're we're now out of the other it feels like we're now out of the other side of uh but it's still the intensity is still revealing itself still unfolding and i'm really truly grateful that uh we're not on our own experiencing this because i encounter many people who are and it can be very confusing so the thing for us to consciously remember each and every day is that every single thing that feels like an upset of any way, shape, or form, it's always that divine alarm clock going off 
And it's getting our attention, helping us. It's actually a great benefit that we notice we're upset instead of being unconscious. So that practice of when we notice we're upset, to give thanks, that we can interrupt the pattern, that we don't have to be a victim to the pattern, that we can consciously call upon the higher Holy Spirit self, and we can have a healing, a permanent healing right in that very moment. This is the thing that is always available to us. And when we are feeling even the slightest bit of irritation or frustration, this is the divine opportunity for us to call forth a profound and dynamic healing. And this is this is our power because the more that we do that, the more healing we have, the more freedom we begin to experience and feel. And that choice not to manage and cope with the patterns, with the sense of problems, that release from thinking we just have to try and figure it out, that we just have to try and um, manage it or cope with it, or we just have to settle for these are the things that we have to deal with. When we're in that mindset of managing, coping, and settling, then we're in the victim mindset. And that's always going to be painful for us precisely because it's simply not our way. It's not how we're designed. We're designed to feel that divine alarm clock going off, recognize it, and make a new choice. Go the other way. Choose again, as A Course in Miracles would say. And we have the power to make that new choice. And it begins with gratitude, lifting our vibration, opening our awareness so that we can see and hear and feel and know more clearly. And then being able to say, I'm not interested in repeating that pattern anymore. I'm really done with it. And I'm willing to let it go. And the more we do that and the more we do that, the more the patterns will fade. And then there are times when the pattern is up for healing and we're feeling agitated, sad, frustrated, hurt, whatever it might be. And we will have a greater willingness to simply recognize, okay, this is a familiar pattern. There's something that my mind gravitates to. It gravitates to this thought I'm not good enough. Something's wrong with me. Uh, all, a whole host of thoughts. We all have our own favorites, we could say. And then as we develop strength and we see how miraculous the healing can be, we develop the capacity to be able to say, okay, what what is this about? What is it about? And we can learn to feel our feelings without fanning the flame of the fire, right? So I can remember uh, years ago breaking up with a boyfriend and feeling so devastated, just crushed, devastated, so wounded, like I would never, ever be able to recover. And I would go into this mode of listening to these sad, sad love songs, you know, 
I can't live if living is without you. And, um, you know, every breath you take, you know, all these songs, I would listen to them for hours and I would cry and I would feel so sad and I would drink and smoke and all those things and put myself through the ringer. And in those times, my ego felt so alive because it totally had me hooked. And what I can say now is that uh, I don't have any temptation to go down that road at all. And so I I went through a period where uh, I could feel the temptation and I learned to turn away from it and say, I'm not interested in that anymore. And uh, doing that enough, I developed the strength to be able to say, okay, what's, what's this thing about that I'm still experiencing a bit of? What's it about? And then spirit would answer me, like we were talking about how it says in the Song of Prayer, the Course in Miracles teaching about prayer, it's like an echo in the mind. The answer would come. You know, it might take uh, a few minutes, an hour, a day, but it would come. That, oh, this is what this is about. Oh, okay. I can say, now that I understand what this is about, this is not something that I'm interested in experiencing anymore. I really am willing and ready to let it dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so I never experience it again. I feel complete with it. And so one of the things is our life, our relationships, our work experience, all of these provide opportunities for us to choose again and choose again and choose again. And the more that we do, the more we're loving ourselves. The more we love ourselves, the higher our vibration is. And the higher our vibration is, the less likely we are to be interested in or attracted to low vibrational thoughts like, I'm not good enough. So loving ourselves free of the limiting patterns is our path of mastery. And I can remember seeing many, many times a day the choice to love myself or repeat the past. Love myself and set myself free now or repeat the past. Go to the familiar. Go to the familiar. And particularly in the beginning of doing this work, the loving myself felt unsafe because it was unfamiliar. It felt like, well, if I start loving myself, well, then what's going to happen, you know? And a lot of it was not conscious, not conscious at all. But I began to feel more and more that I just wasn't interested in repeating those low vibrational experiences. And so the more we lift our vibration with making loving choices and being grateful, then we're going to do things like we're going to be less interested in low vibrational food and low vibrational conversations and low vibrational activities. We start to become more interested in things that are nurturing and nourishing. So I'd just like to check in here and see 
Who is experiencing some shifts and changes? Who's experiencing some shifts and changes that uh, they'd like to share? And I know you have opportunities to share um, in uh, your sacred circle and in your community calls, which, by the way, I listen to all the community calls. And uh, so just so you know that. And anybody who is um, would like to share an experience in writing or, uh, oh, we've got Laurel raising her hand. Hey there, Laurel. Hey, Jennifer. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Thanks. I had I wrote about this in Facebook. Um so I don't want to bore people, but I do want to share this because I'm so excited about it. Um, it was such a huge breakthrough for me because mm. uh, I, I came back from Mexico, and wouldn't you know it, my teeth are still hurting and still having a problem with it. And I was going, I just was going, I don't understand. I really, you know, believed that I did everything that I could to set up this trip so that it would be, is you know as easy and miraculous and mm-hmm. and wonderful as it could be, and the first day was, and then it just turned into the opposite, um, as you well know. <laughs> but like, so, but yesterday, this just a thought was coming through my mind: Why? Why does it have? To, why is it so hard? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about my mother always saying to me that I always learn the hard way, and that used to really pissed me off when she would say that mm-hmm. because she was right and I didn't know how to, at first I thought I'm just rebellious you mm-hmm. know, or I just don't want to follow rules I mean, you know so maybe that's the the price or the consequence that I pay but, you know, I mean, I'm I'm no teenager anymore so I I thought and I guess I was asking spirit because you know, the question in my head was, why does it have to be so hard? Why do I have to learn it the hard way? And then I just had this vision. Uh, I saw my I saw myself like on a battlefield, you know, all dressed in, in um, uh, armor and with a sword, and I saw myself as a, as a warrior, and like bring it on. And I saw that that. There's this part of me, I always always identify with being a spiritual warrior. Mm. And I thought, what kind of, you know, all of a sudden it just occurred to me, you know, what's that? Why do I feel proud of being a warrior? Mm. And 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 then it occurred to me that that's my, my ego had me by the neck and was telling me that I was pretty hot stuff for taking on such difficult challenges. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, no. It's like, oh, ego, you don't even exist, and I can't believe it. I've been listening to this for so many years and believing it and actually feeling good about myself through mm-hmm. this. And in that moment, I, I, I just saw through it. It was like, a, like, like that warrior just almost like fell to dust. Um, and I, I ask, um, uh, you know, my higher, um, 
Holy Spirit self to just please, 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 you know, it's just I'm giving up all of this. <laughs> whatever whatever uh, I had around being, having to be strong and having to be proved myself how strong I am by setting up difficult challenges and, uh, on all kinds of levels in my life. Um, I'm done. I'm, I'm mm. just really done, you know. And I just feel so good. I feel so much freedom now mm. from that. So, and I was worried though a little bit. And now you just you were just talking about the whole process because somehow I had understood that it wasn't um, asking, like trying to understand things, because that's being analytical or you know uh, using my, my mind wasn't really the way, you know, mm -hmm. to not be asking questions like that um, but you just you just said it in a way now where I go oh it is okay to ask instead of I guess I don't know I'd like to hear you say more about that yeah so um, first I want to share that I, I think what you're talking about is uh, really important and really helpful for all of us. So when you are asking the question, why does it have to be so hard for me? In that question, when you just tune into that question, what is the vantage point or the energy of that you feel when you're asking that question, do you have a sense of it? Well, <laughs> that's really interesting because I would say m most of the time in my life I have come from victim when I was asking that question. Right. You know, um, but yesterday I was really coming more from curiosity. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't in... in um, I was not, and that's kind of unusual for me. I mean, I'm not taking any credit for this because <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't do this purposefully. Um, I don't, and I don't know why the pattern was different yesterday. Um, but I know that in that moment when I asked that question, I it was as if I sensed that. I'm, I need to be really open now. I want to be really open, and I just, you know, I, I let go of there being any answer because I didn't even think I was doing the right thing by asking the question. Mm. But I wasn't. I wasn't thinking I was a bad person, though. I was just like amused because that's me. I've always asked questions. You know, that, when you talk about how you always used to do that, that's certainly been my mo. Mm -hmm. Trying to figure things. Trying to figure things out. Right, right. And um, for some people, it would definitely be the question of a victim. And there's also the assumption that it has to be hard. So the the it's like, okay, and I'm not saying that's how you felt in that moment, but just that thought, why does it have to be so hard? Well, this thought is predicated on it has to be hard. So now I'd like to know why it has to be hard. So it doesn't have to be hard. 
So it, and, and, I, and I had that to understand. I, I mean, that was even in my mind as mm-hmm. I was asking the question because mm-hmm. it was almost like I could hear you. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that. I already knew the answer that it didn't have to be hard. Mm-hmm. So, but so, but why was it? Yeah. Well, in part, a, a lot. It's hard because we think it has to be hard. Okay. That it's it's actually it's. It can be really challenging for us to wrap our mind around that, and this is the teaching of A Course in Miracles, that things are as we wish them to be. Things are as they we wish them to be. That's the responsibility for sight, uh, in page 448, and where it says, you know, basically everything is that I see I'm responsible for and everything is just as I wish it to be. And we can say, well, why would I wish for this illness? Why would I wish for this pain and suffering? Why would I wish for these things? You know, I'd like to know, why would I? And it it really all goes back to feeling that we sometimes we wish it on other people. And because we're one with them, we experience it ourselves. Or we feel that we should be punished because we don't love God, we don't appreciate God, because we're mean and cruel to others. Or we have been. Mm -hmm. And so we feel we deserve to be punished. We feel that we don't deserve good things. And the truth of it is, and I do mean the truth of it is that no matter what we've experienced, this life or any other, we all deserve to be loved and held, uh, and we are loved and held by God. And this world is about we get to experience what our thoughts are. And no matter how our thoughts could become murderous and torturous no matter how intense an experience we generate for ourselves, our perfection, our wholeness, our freedom, our beauty, our wisdom, our clarity, all of those things are still intact and will always be intact. And so we can't we can't really experience anything uh, difficult or challenging or horrible uh, painful, desperate, except in this world of form where we everything that we experience, we think into being. So the, the question, uh, why does it have to be so hard, is can really be answered because I believe it must be hard. Why is this happening to me? Because somehow, some way, uh, my freedom is encoded into experiencing this not taking it personally, being choosing love, choosing compassion, choosing harmony, choosing wisdom and freedom. Uh, that's why everything is happening to us, because we're seeing or feeling or experiencing our thoughts, and many times our thoughts are unknown to us. So we don't really get what we want 
We don't ever really get what we want. We get what we're making, what we're thinking about, what we're willing to receive, what we'd like to receive, what we're allowing ourselves to receive. This is what we get. We get the opportunity to really experience clearly our thoughts and feelings are and our feelings are part of that experiencing our thoughts and it can be emotional thoughts it can be um i mean it can be uh our unconscious thoughts uh our intentional thoughts so what Everyone in Masterful Living who's paying attention and doing the work, it begins to happen for them as they begin to experience life quite differently. And they start to take dominion over their thoughts. So, all of that said, Laurel, ask your question again. Why does it have to be so hard? Well, no, you had another question. Oh, 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 it was about about how to distinguish when I'm asking a question um because it's because I because I've already gone through um uh, see, I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> I can't even ask the question. I mean, you were explaining a process earlier on this evening, and you were talking about kind of going through some steps and, like, first having gratitude, and then I don't remember what the second one yeah, was. Yeah, it's the process of um, interrupting that divine alarm clock going off and making a new choice. So saying, I'm grateful that I recognize I can see there's an opportunity to choose the old pattern mm. repeating or to love myself enough to interrupt the pattern and make a new choice. I'm grateful. So the first interruption is uh, the awareness of the pattern. The second interruption is to say, I'm grateful for my awareness of the pattern. And then the third way to interrupt the pattern is to say, I choose to interrupt the pattern now. I'm not interested in repeating it anymore. And that, developing that as being a, a strategy, really, uh, for many, many times a day, when you anybody sees themselves sliding into repeating negativity or feeling out of control or feeling like a victim, it turns that pattern around, and doing that for even just a, a day or two will uh, be enough energetically to set people on a completely new course for their life. I've seen it again and again. But it takes a great willingness to interrupt the pattern repeatedly, uh, and each time you do, you gain strength and clarity, and it comes from... Loving yourself enough not to just repeat the pattern anymore. Jennifer, I just remembered more specifically. There, you had at one point said you, and then you can ask yourself, "What's this all about?" Right. That's a piece I'm wondering about. It, when when do you ask that question, and it feels like it's a it's a good appropriate um, 
helpful uh, question as opposed to trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going from going into this place of okay. I'm done with repeating this pattern. I really am not interested in that anymore. And I'd like to know whatever can be helpful to me in transcending this pattern, transmuting this pattern, transforming this pattern. Because truly we can give all the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit. We really, really can. The thing is, is not everybody is that willing, right? So they're willing to stop suffering, but they're not always willing to transcend the pattern by choosing love, by choosing gratitude, by making a new choice. They just want to stop the pain and stop the suffering. Mm. But we can go to that place of, I really am willing to do Anything that's mine to do. Is there anything for me to know? Any new choice for me to make? I truly am empowering myself in this moment to make a different way. To know the different way. To know the way of love and mastery and freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that really clarifies it for me. Yeah, so it's we move into that willingness where we really feel, okay, I don't know how I'm going to transcend this, but I'm just saying that is my commitment. I, I'm not repeating this anymore. I'm done with repeating it. it, it that's a, that is true willingness. That's uh, near total willingness. And in that there's so much power. And then spirit will guide us. Mm -hmm. But we don't have to understand everything. You know, only the ego wants to understand everything because only the ego doesn't know. But the ego will never know. And we would like to have an intellectual understanding of where does the pattern come from? How long have I had it? Why do I like it so much? Uh, Who gave it to me? All these things. But none of that matters. The only thing that matters is are you interested in repeating it or are you interested in letting it go forever? Mm-hmm. And when and your the ego will- isn't interested in letting it go. No. Right? Well, the, no. the ego yeah. is, is just made up of these patterns. Right. Yeah. But we, you know, we've, we've, We've chosen this experience to have the experience of choosing dominion over our mind, or as Venerable would say, to have sovereignty, you know, to be the king or the queen of our realm, and to have mm-hmm. no no one else having dominion over us. Mm. And so when we're victims, when we're suffering, then the ego has dominion, mm-hmm. not the spirit. So spiritual mm-hmm. sovereignty is mastery. And masters don't repeat painful experiences. And we're we're natural masters. We are just we're remembering it. 
-hmm. We're remembering who we really are. Thank you for sharing your experience, Laurel. Oh, it thank you very for, letting, powerful. for allowing me to. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Thank All you. All right. You're welcome. Okay. All right. I am going to take this opportunity of transitioning here. We've got some people who have written in questions over the last few, last week. So I'm going to take these questions now before I continue on with the prayer power. Claire's written in, Dear Jennifer, my question is about complaining. I'm not sure of the difference between complaining and expressing my authentic feelings. In prayer, we often say that we are willing to give up judging, criticizing, and complaining. I understand the first two, but I would like to be able to express when things don't feel good for me or I'm feeling pain. But is that complaining? It feels important to me to understand the difference. I think in the past I've had a pattern of holding back my negative feelings so as not to rock the boat, but then the stored up feelings all pour out anyway and that creates drama. And sometimes I've felt that my feelings are heard unless I make a big fuss, that my feelings aren't heard unless I make a big fuss. I'd like to learn a new way of expressing myself without complaining, but just not sure how to start. Thank you so much. It's a really valuable question, Claire. So I I love that the Course says everything works together for good. There are no exceptions. And then there's another passage that I have in the Masterful Living Journal in the Course of Miracles prayer section where it's from uh, Lesson 135, Paragraph 18, which says, What could you not accept if you but knew that everything, all events, situations, and circumstances were gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good? If we knew that, would we ever complain? If we knew that our higher self, that the Holy Spirit had planned every single experience that we could ever have or have ever had, and that it was perfectly designed for our good, would we actually complain? Or would we be grateful for everything just as it is? So, Complaints are judgments. Now, um, I know for myself, there are times I think, like, well, let's just say, I I ordered some food, and it didn't turn out to be something that tasted good to me. I didn't really like it. I could say, oh, well, gosh, I was really uh, looking forward to enjoying this meal, but now this feels less enjoyable to me. Um, Is it a complaint or is it just a statement of my experience? Am I saying it should be different 
or even that I wish it were different? Or am I just saying, well, this is how it is right now? And a, a one thing that can really help us in terms of judgments and complaints is to consider that we have, and I talk about this in Finding Freedom, that we have preferences as well as there's opinions and there's judgments. Opinions and judgments are false, predicated on false beliefs. And then there are our preferences. So, for instance, I always give this example that I really love the flavor of vanilla. And most people prefer chocolate. I do not prefer chocolate, although there are occasional times when I'm prefer chocolate, but most of the time I prefer vanilla. Uh, I prefer vanilla cake. I prefer vanilla ice cream. And I do not like vanilla in my coffee. Although sometimes I like a mocha, which is chocolate in my coffee. But under no circumstances do I like vanilla in my coffee. <laughs> so these are my preferences. Now, do I feel that I'm superior or better because I like vanilla? Do I feel that people who like chocolate are stupid or bad or wrong or undeserving of good things in life or anything or that they're mistaken that vanilla is the better flavor? No. It's just I have a preference for vanilla. There's no opinion or judgment. It's not that vanilla is better. Chocolate is not worse. I just prefer the taste of vanilla. Why? I do not know. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people really love strawberry. I, I would rather have pumpkin than strawberry. I don't know why. I, it's just how I, I'm wired. And it doesn't really matter. Uh, but if I was thinking that vanilla was better, then I would be in judgment. So... There are so many times in our lives when we can say, you know, oh, this is, oh, I prefer this. Oh, you know, I prefer we go out for Chinese food rather than Italian, and here's why. But I don't have to say that Italian is not good for you. Uh, they've got all that wheat. The rice is better. No, it's just here's what I prefer. It ends a lot of arguments, and it eliminates complaining. Uh, people can turn preferences into complaining, but basically a uh, preference can really be pretty, pretty neutral and without judgment. Um, so complaints are judgments. They're just another form of judgment. So it's very possible to say, wow, I, uh, I'm noticing I'm really getting triggered by whatever. I'm getting triggered by what you're talking about, by what the sign says, by what just happened. I feel really triggered. I'm feeling really upset. And um, we can say all of that while taking totally total responsibility for it, not blaming it on anyone else. You know, saying, gosh, you know, when I notice that you don't clean up after yourself, I really feel triggered, and I have to say that 
it's it's challenging for me because my mind goes to thinking that you don't respect me and you don't care about me and that's why you don't clean up after yourself. But that's actually a pretty crazy thought. It's a pretty crazy thought. And I, I'm not interested in having that thought anymore because the thought that you don't care about me really upsets me. So I just have to be with this for a minute here. I'm getting really triggered by this stuff. But you see, we can do that without making it somebody else's fault. And when we can talk about it that way, saying, I'm really triggered right now. Sometimes it's like, hey, I'm really triggered right now. I need some love and support. That's I really like some love and support or some space because I, I, I'm kind of overwhelmed by my emotions and my feelings right now. And sometimes, probably not that often, we might be able to say, I, I really could use some support right now. I'm feeling super triggered on this. I'm feeling completely um, just overwhelmed by how much emotion I'm feeling and what I would really love to be able to do is just go take a time out here for 15 or 20 minutes and come back. It's nothing personal. I just need some space for myself. And, um, uh, you know, if you could you finish cooking the meal, if you could uh, just turn everything on the stove off, or if you could um, just uh, give me that space, uh there are ways that we can really become very masterful at expressing how we're feeling but not making it anybody else's fault. And then we can even say, hey, I'm feeling really super triggered right now. Here's what would really help me is um, I just brought all these groceries in. They need to get put away. If you could take care of that for me or just at least look for the things that need to go in the refrigerator, I, I, I'm just going to to go for a walk for 15 minutes and and I'll be back you know because coming in the house and it's such a mess I'm just uh, it's not your fault but I just I need I need to go and just calm down and I'll be back I think most people would be or just like you know hey I, I'm just going to go lay down and if you have 15 minutes to cuddle with me I would really make a difference to me I really I would just love it if you just hold me Asking for what we like, not blaming people for our feelings. These these are the ways that we can be masterful. But you're right, Claire, when we hold on to it and hold on to it and we blame other people or we feel unworthy of good treatment and it ferments and it builds and builds and builds and then it explodes. Very intense. Very, very intense. All right. Good, good question, Claire. So then we have a question here from Lorraine. Uh, Hi, Jennifer. Recently you suggested we read A Course of Miracles, Fear and Conflict. I have a question on page 30, the seventh paragraph. It talks about the conflict between wanting and doing. It says that the conflict is an expression of fear. I don't understand how it is about fear. For instance, my conflict is that I do I want to lose weight, but I don't want to give up sugar and pizza. So where is the fear? 
I can see that I lose my focus or that I prefer taste over feeling good, but I don't see how that is fear. Thanks. Love, Lorraine. Well, let's see here. I don't have my course book, but I have um, a PDF because I'm, I'm traveling and my uh, so I use the PDF sometimes when I'm traveling, mostly because I um, my course book is so precious to me. I I I sometimes don't bring it when I'm traveling uh, a lot um, for a shorter period of time. So let's see. I'm looking in paragraph seven here in that section. And it says, um, in talking about correcting the conflict, it says the first corrective step in undoing the error is to know first that the conflict is an expression of fear. Say to yourself that you must somehow have chosen not to love or the fear would not have arisen. Then the whole process of correction becomes nothing more than a series of pragmatic steps in the larger process of accepting the atonement as a remedy. These steps may be summarized in this way. Know first that this is fear. Fear arises from lack of love. The only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. Perfect love is the atonement. So remember the atonement is that realization that there is no separation. So <clears throat> the conflict is when we say that, for instance, we'd like the peace of God, but we're not willing to take the steps to have the peace of God. So what I'm hearing you say is you have uh, a belief that in order to lose weight, you have to give up sugar and pizza. And so there's a conflict because You'd like to lose weight, but you don't wish to give up sugar and pizza. And so, um, the the all the conflict that you're you you're saying here is really it's not a true conflict in the sense of the course. So it's because the the course would say you you'd like to experience peace and you think that uh peace would be to weigh less that would bring you peace of mind would it bring you peace of mind would it bring you peace of mind you see this is the thing is if your peace is conditional well, I have to weigh a certain amount or look a certain way in order to have peace. If your peace is conditional, just like if your love is conditional, if your freedom is conditional, then you're thinking that these things are in the world and the world can disturb your peace. The world can disturb your freedom. The world can disturb you. But Peace comes from knowing who we are, that we are one with God, that we are the the Christ, that we are the sons and daughters of God, we could say. 
that's where peace comes from, remembering our true identity. And peace comes from giving up all false beliefs and thoughts. That's where peace comes from. It doesn't come from losing weight. If it did, the peace would be conditional. Peace is not conditional. Love is not conditional. These are the spiritual qualities of God that are omnipresent, omnipotent, omniactive. And so they are literally our true nature, our true identity is peace. So the conflict really is, is that thinking that you can't have peace unless you lose weight. You can't be happy unless you lose weight. And so there's the thought that sugar and pizza make me happy, which is not true, but we have that thought, right? We have that belief. We seem to experience it. But if pizza and sugar made every, made you happy, it would make everybody happy because we're all one, and it doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't. So the conflict really is in thinking that the things of this world will make you happy or peaceful when they never can. It's only choosing love and recognizing there's no separation that will truly bring us joy and life without conflict. So where is the fear? The fear is that, uh, the, the fear is really from this judgment that losing the weight will make me happy, make me peaceful, uh, and bring me what I would like. And that I have to give up the things I like in order to have the, the weight or the body that I like. But it's just not true. But if we believe it's true, it becomes our experience. That's what this teaching is about in fear and conflict. So consider that and come back and ask more questions, Lorraine. It's a really, really good question. All right. Let's see here. We have a, another question um, from Lorraine. But you know what? I'm only going to do one question, um, uh, Lorraine, just because of the time. And uh, so um, we can do that question next week, the second one. Rieko says, Hi, Jennifer. It's come into my awareness that I judge myself silently and severely every time I withhold money from someone who's asking for it. I live in New York City and come across this situation multiple times every day. It may be the homeless. It may be people asking for a donation for charity or a political cause. Part of it is that I've had enough negative experiences with these people that I feel like I need to protect myself from them, even though they seem to be in need. Another part of it is that I, like most people, live on a budget. Every now and then I come across people who, for one reason or another, I feel deeply compelled to help. And in those cases, I do give what I can and feel great afterwards. In all other cases, 
I've been giving my judgments about the person as well as myself over to the Holy Spirit and then giving that person a silent blessing. Still, the judgment seems quite persistent, particularly towards myself, that if I was truly a loving person who embodies abundance, I should happily give away everything I have to anyone who needs it. Would love to hear your thoughts or suggestions on how to see this differently and understand what true abundance means. With much gratitude, Rieko. So, Rieko, um, there's a few things going on here. So, one is that um, there are times when to give someone money or stuff... um, would actually enable them and would not be healthy for them. And so we learn to follow guidance about when to give and not to give. Uh, and the ego wants to have hard and fast rules about these things and to, uh, as a way of controlling, as a way of not being in the flow of love. So one thing for you would be to use these experiences that you're having every day as a way of tuning in and listening and following guidance. All right. Um, I, I'm i a tither. I like to tithe. So tithing is giving um, to support the places where you're receiving your spiritual food from. So I I do give some to charity, but I feel more compelled to tithe. And uh, there are times when I have heard someone sing a song that I gave them a tithe uh, because I felt so inspired by their song. There are times when I've had a conversation with someone, sent them a tithe, because it was, or gave them a tithe because it was so um, inspiring to me. And a tithing is a beautiful practice of really living in prosperity consciousness. Now, some people tithe in order to be more abundant. And that's really, um, that's giving to get. So the idea of tithing is really giving because you've already been given to. So it's like um, priming the pump from which the water flows. You've already been given some water, so you're going to keep priming that pump so that the pump is supported and all can benefit from what the pump brings forth. Um, I've given money to people asking for money on the street and sometimes I don't give money I really I feel it's very valuable to learn to feel the guidance and uh, there have been times when I I really was like okay yes I'm giving this I can feel I'm giving this veteran $20 or you know and I I have had homeless people sometimes just so grateful. They start crying, so thankful. Um, so 
for me, I, I, w- I would like to give when um, I feel called by spirit to give and have it not be an intellectual experience, but a heart experience. And many times I do feel spirit guide and say, it's really about this person will benefit not so much from the money, but from knowing that someone cares, that someone sees them, recognize them. And so you could, as an experiment, you could give something to everyone you meet one day and just see how does that feel and practicing so you know someday you give nothing to anyone someday you give something to everyone and then how does it feel how does it feel just really learning to tune in and follow your guidance it does feel to me Rieko that you're uh, healing some negative karma and that will be very beneficial to you as well as to others so good for you yeah, beautiful. Let me know. Angela says, Hi, Jennifer. Just after class last week, I woke about 4 a.m. and was in a familiar feeling of anxiety. This hadn't happened since Masterful Living started. I started to pray to have higher Holy Spirit self take the heavy lifting and kept praying. I heard, love yourself, love yourself. I went on throughout the day, and by evening, it had shifted so much faster than ever before. Since then, I've been practicing self-love all week. It's been wonderful. Lots of insights and ahas. Blessings, Angela. Yeah, beautiful, Angela. Beautiful. You see uh, that old familiar feeling of anxiety? I think we all know that. And... Um, I used to have that uh, waking up in the middle of the night or when I was falling asleep or waking up early and then not being able to go back to sleep. I used to have all of that. And um, I learned to just, when it happened, I would just say, no, I am not going to that place. I am not thinking those thoughts. Uh, I am perfect love and everything in my life is perfect the way it is right now and I am calling forth more peace more love more joy that's all I'm accepting that's all I'm interested in and calling the angels to surround and enfold it's beautiful it's powerful and I'm going to mention that in your bookstore everybody uh, this is a it's not really an assignment, but it's a um, what uh, I'm inviting you all to do is to read the book, if you haven't already, Zero Limits. So if you go to the Masterful Living bookstore in the Masterful Living website, um, you'll see Zero Limits by Joe Vitale, V-I-T-A-L-E, Zero Limits. Uh, there's an audio book. There's a regular book. Uh, I personally really like the audio book, um, partly because there are many quotes from the Hawaiian teacher, 
E. Haleakale Hugh Lin, and he reads his parts. And um, I I find the sound of his voice um, it activates my auditory intuition, my clear audience. And I really appreciate hearing him speak his own words. And the book Zero Limits is about the teaching Ho'oponopono, which is the Hawaiian forgiveness teaching. And um, it's that simple prayer of, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. Or as many people say it, um, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. I always start with I love you. Um, and uh, we will talk about zero limits in class. Uh, most people in Masterful Living find that this is one of the most important books that they read. It really makes a difference for them. Again, you can listen to the audio book. It's a great audio book. Um, zero Limits about the Hawaiian teaching of forgiveness and prayer called Ho Opono Pono. Ho O Pono Pono. Ho Opono Pono. <laughs> Many people pronounce it incorrectly. It's not that hard. It's just Ho O Pono Pono. Ho O Pono Pono. Ho O Pono Pono. So uh, we'll be we'll be talking about that. And uh, Ho'oponopono is a beautiful prayer to and uh, teaching and um, very powerful and will be um, really beautiful for us as we're moving into the building trust and faith classes and transitioning from the prayer. And uh, so I strongly encourage everyone to begin reading or listening to that book. Great conversation for uh, prayer partners. Yeah. All right. Um, I see another question here. I'm going to do this and then uh, go back to the prayer teaching. So it says, my neighbors just got a, another puppy. The last two didn't work out so well. They don't like to have animals in the house, and they don't have a gated yard, so the dogs end up running loose. The first one got hit by a car. The second one they offered to me, so I found it a new home. Now they have this tiny puppy that looks too young to be away from its mother. It cries and howls and barks in the middle of the night and wakes me up. It's very frustrating. I certainly have judgments about their treatment or care of animals. I feel resentful that they allow the dog to carry on. I let them know that the dog has woken me up, but there is also a language barrier. So I'm not sure they totally understand. Last night, I tried to ring their doorbell at 4 a.m. to let the know, them know the dog had woke me up, only to discover that the doorbell is broken. They have a gate, so I couldn't knock on the door. I c considered knocking on the windows, but somehow that made me feel a little crazy. I really don't know what to do. Earplugs bother my ears and aren't totally effective. I really don't know what to do. As the dog gets bigger, I fear it will get louder. I've even considered finding a home and taking the dog in the middle of the night, leaving the owner to think it ran away. Nothing feels right. How do I keep my peace and act in love when I am sleep-deprived? 
I'm really not happy when I'm not rested. So remember how you may have heard me say, A Course in Miracles says, rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. And so our staying alert to the opportunities to love and be loved, this is what supports us in waking up. And... So, first of all, I would let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting here. So, uh, this is a really great example of your, um, the way your mind is working with it is you're feeling that you have to figure it out, that you're on your own, that it's happening to you, and that uh, you've got to figure it out, rather than that all of life is supporting you. And that spirit can handle this and can resolve this in a way that's beautiful for everyone. So my encouragement to you would be to call upon the angels, call upon the higher Holy Spirit self and say, I, I'm calling for the highest and best for all. For the puppy, for the couple who have the puppy in their home, and for you. Um, I know for myself as that I've experienced times in the past when all kinds of noises would bother me and keep me awake. Um, and it was because I was irritable and judgmental and that... Um, what was really keeping me awake was my judgmental mind, my fearful mind, and it really wasn't the circumstances or the situations. Because when my mind is peaceful, then regardless of what noises or things are going on, I'm unperturbed. I might notice things, but I don't feel particularly bothered by it. And one example I can give you is, um, I used to, when I would fly on a plane and there would be a crying baby, I would think, oh my God. And I would complain in my mind. And oh, what are we going to do to shut that baby up? But then as I became more peaceful and more loving in my heart, I would hear a baby start to cry, I would call the angels immediately. Angels, please help the baby. Please help the baby to feel peaceful and harmonious. Help the parents and everyone around the baby to generate love. And I I know that um, there have been times when, you know, I felt there was a some kind of a disturbance, let's say, on an airplane, people are bothered or things like that, to broadcast love and to be amazed at how quickly things can calm down. Just become so peaceful so quickly. But if my mind is agitated by it, as it used to be, then it goes on and on and on. Because as we were talking about with Laurel, what's it for? 
What's it for? It's to give me an opportunity to work with my mind. If I don't take the opportunity to work with my mind and I feel like a victim, then it has to continue and get louder and louder until I realize what's it for. So there's that beautiful lesson. I don't know what anything is for in A Course in Miracles. I do not know what anything is for. And so I started to just that became something I would say all the time. I don't know what anything is for, but it's for my healing. It's for my assistance. It's for my awakening. It's for my highest and best, and I'm going to receive it that way. I don't know what anything is for, but I'd like to. I'd like to learn about it. So instead of thinking things are bad or wrong, being willing to say, yeah, I just don't know what it's for. I don't know what it's for. Hmm. Yes. All right. So, back to our prayer. You see... We're all always broadcasting our thoughts into the one mind. And it's like we're planting seeds. So if you plant an avocado seed, you're not going to get a lemon tree. If you plant a lemon seed, you're not going to get an oak tree. Just as if you plant a seed of love and compassion, you will receive love and compassion. If you plant a seed of bitterness, annoyance, frustration, what are you going to receive? More of the same. Like attracts like. When we withhold love and compassion, it seems as though we live in a loveless world, a cruel world. We don't live in a loveless world. We live in a world that's pure love. But it's always going to reflect back to us where our attention is. And do I still have experiences where I'm frustrated and annoyed? Yes, I do. Do I have experiences where people are inexplicably unkind to me? It's They've got their stuff, they're unkind to me. Yes, the cry of love. I experience a cry of love. Um, not a lot from people who seem to be attacking me or trying to bother me or be unkind to me. I don't experience that very much anymore. But I do sometimes. And I I recognize it as the cry for love. Just like if I'm annoyed or frustrated, it's a cry for love for me. And I really appreciate it if someone can say, Ah, Jennifer must be experiencing some difficulty right now. I think that's one of the most wonderful things that I've learned is that when someone is annoyed or frustrated or something around me that I can say, hey, what's, what's, um, something's going on, something's bothering you, can I be a support to you? 
How can I help you? Instead of making them wrong. And sometimes with some people, if you ask, how can I help you? That will be too hard for them to answer in that moment if they're really upset. It'll be like, I I don't even know. I'm too upset to even know. So sometimes the thing is just to say, you know, I see you're really upset. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I care for you. I, 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 I'm here. Just not making them wrong, not rejecting them, not shutting them out, not withholding love for them. It's amazing how it shifts our relationships when we stop withholding love from people who are expressing a cry for love. But a lot of times when people are expressing a cry for love, the love is being withheld. You don't deserve my love because you aren't acting right. Well, everyone deserves our love, however they're acting. Love is what we are. If we withhold the love, we upset the balance in our life. We upset the balance of harmony. We are the perfect givers and receivers of love. If we start blocking the flow and withholding love from everyone, including the neighbors with the barking dog, then we're the ones who will suffer. We're the ones who suffer. Because it's not natural for us to withhold the love. One of the things that is very helpful for us to understand in terms of prayer, in terms of thought, and the power of our prayer, and the power of our thought, is that if you think of our thoughts and our beliefs, like it says in A Course in Miracles, our thoughts and our beliefs combine into a power that can literally move mountains. Okay? So, if you think of your thought having this power to bring things into manifestation, one of the most beautiful ways I've heard it articulated or helpful ways is Ernest Holmes said something to the effect of if you don't like what you have, recognize that your thoughts act like a mold for God to fly, flow into, like a container for God to flow into a mold and your your the god energy will mold itself to the thought container that you have made if you don't like what you have break the mold and create a more desirable container with your thoughts and beliefs so that's what we're doing in masterful living and the deep desire of the heart exercise is wonderful for that and all the different Masterful Living inquiries in your workbooks are to help you look at your thoughts so that you can break those old molds and create new ones for God to flow into. So if you think of your thought, okay, your repetitive thought, as creating, or your prayerful thought, 
as creating a container for God to flow into in order to bring things into manifestation, in order for things to come into form, okay? So if the thought is, I'd really love to live in a beautiful place. I'd really like to live in a place that's harmonious. Or if you follow the deep desire of the heart exercise, the deep desire of my heart is to live in a home that fully supports my life and my being. The deep desire of my heart is to live in a place of great beauty. The deep desire of my heart is to be completely receptive and available to receive a beautiful home. The deep desire of my heart is to live in a place that's light-filled and harmonious. The deep desire of my heart is to have neighbors who are loving and kind. The deep desire of my heart is to feel safe at all times in all situations. And on and on and on. We're creating a container for God to flow into. We're taking our vibration and becoming a vibrational match for that which we desire. And because like attracts like, we're calling it into manifestation. We're literally, by doing this work, magnetizing it into our experience. This is how prayer works. So, And the universe doesn't care what words we use. God doesn't care what words we use. That doesn't matter at all. What matters is really what are we holding in our heart. And that's beyond words. What are we willing to receive? Are we feeling available to it? Are we willing to energize that which we truly desire? The majority of people that I start doing this work with are far more focused on what they don't want than what they would truly desire. So if you're focused on what you don't want, you're building your container out of thoughts and beliefs around what you don't like and what you don't want. And whatever you're focusing on is what you're going to experience more of. So moving into that, I'm available for a really beautiful home. I'm available for truly harmonious, loving relationships. I'm truly available for uh, living in a place that is completely harmonious. You see, so really shifting our thoughts of the, in the moment, it doesn't feel harmonious. I desire uh to live in a place that feels deeply harmonious. The deep desire of my heart is to live in a place of peace, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. You see, changing our thought from what we don't like to what we're calling forth, what we're accepting, what we're allowing, what we're receiving, what we're energizing, what we're calling forth. This is the power of prayer where we place our attention, how we're holding these things, where is our attention? Where our our attention goes, energy flows. 
you know, if if someone is saying, I don't want this anymore, I don't want the barking dog anymore, I don't want the neighbors treating these bad these dogs badly, I don't want this, I don't want that. <clears throat> the universe doesn't hear I don't want. It just hears the I command, which is putting the God energy into it, and then whatever it is. So if we focus on I am peace, I am love, I am joy, I am freedom, and I am calling forth expressions of love and peace and joy and freedom. This is what I am calling forth. This is what I'm allowing myself to receive and experience. This is what I am sharing with my neighbors and my neighborhood. This is what I am sharing with all beings everywhere because I'm one with them. You see, we're shifting our attention to what we really desire, what we'd like. And we're allowing ourselves to recognize Am I willing to receive it? Can I allow it to be my experience? If there's resistance and reluctance and we notice our mind keeps focusing on what we don't want, what we don't like, then we just keep asking, uh, asking the higher Holy Spirit itself, take these thoughts out of my mind so I never think them again. Here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in beauty and peace and harmony and love and freedom. I am the perfect giver and receiver of love, and that's what I'm putting my attention on. So the the barking dog, the uh, the complaining parent, the um, angry coworker, all these different things, they give us a chance to see where is our attention. Will we focus on what we don't like? We have the choice of what we're going to place our attention on. Our thoughts and beliefs are creating our experience. Everything is just as I wish it would be. I am responsible for what I see, and everything is just as I wish it to be. So if in my thinking... I'm complaining, I'm judging, I'm criticizing, I'm looking for faults, I'm a fault finder. I used to be a tremendous fault finder. I just would focus on that all the time. It made me feel powerful. Not happy, but powerful. I have the power to complain, I have the power to judge, I have the power to be right, I have the power to make others wrong. I have the power to know what's best for myself and everyone else. Going over these things again and again in my mind, I was not happy. But I had a sense that I knew right from wrong. And that gave my personality a sense of strength. But then, I didn't know it at the time. Now I can see it. It would boomerang right back to me and I would feel uh, that I was worthless. Something wrong with me. Always complaining. Never happy. And then I would fall into self-medication to distract myself and numb myself. And then I would judge myself for that. 
and spiral and spiral and spiral down, 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 down. The things that we don't like in our experience are a cry for love. It's an opportunity for us to change our mind to love and appreciation and gratitude. And what I have found in making this shift is that more and more I experience the life I desire and less and less do things bother me. And more and more people show up to be supportive of me. People that uh, I used to feel annoyed by, they don't annoy me at all anymore. Because the annoyance was not something they were generating. It was in my mind. It was the splinter in my mind. So our thoughts and our beliefs are constantly becoming a container for God to flow into and show us our thoughts and beliefs so that we can decide to choose again or have the experience of our thoughts and beliefs. So if you don't like the containers that you've created, you don't like the way God is flowing into the mental molds that you've created, you can give that all to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, I see what's happening here. I'm interested in creating experiences of beauty and love and peace and joy, freedom, abundance, prosperity, harmony. I am willing. And then throughout the day, to see how really willing you are. And if you find yourself complaining and judging and criticizing, feeling sad and hurt and angry and upset, know the divine alarm clock is going off saying, you can choose again. Break that mold. Give that to the Holy Spirit. Create a new mold with, with praise, with gratitude, with thanksgiving, with willingness, with a deep heart's desire with non-judgment and we over and over and over again until we're really only focused on uh, generating molds of thought and belief that bring us experiences that we're grateful for and that we enjoy and that are really truly helpful to us of course everything is helpful to us but to be that joyful learner So let's see here if anybody has any questions. We're at time, but does anybody have any questions about this? And we'll talk about this more next week, too. Start, too, to raise your hand if you have any questions about this right now. All right. So, recommending to you the book Zero Limits, and another favorite book of mine, uh, for those who like to read books, is Angels in My Hair, which is also in your bookstore by Lorna Byrne, and uh, has a wonderful audio book as well, Lorna Byrne, Angels in My Hair. So, uh, 
I'm, I'm recommending that you consider reading some of these books or listening to them as audiobooks. And, and consider making time each week. You know, give yourself some time each week if you, you know, feel so inclined to do some of the Masterful Living inquiries to help you become more conscious of your thinking. And when you do them, invoke the Holy Spirit, the higher Holy Spirit self, to inform you as you go so that you're as you're doing the inquiries you're really having ahas and insights you know there's no limit to the amount of ahas you can have and that you can handle so waking up each day and saying today is a day of uh, great ahas i'm excited for the ahas that are going to happen today i'm so grateful that i can learn through love and joy, and I don't have to learn through pain and suffering anymore. So grateful, so thankful for that. So let's move into that deep, deep gratitude. I'm going to pray and then play a song. So grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the power and the presence of love right here and right now. So grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to remember the truth that sets us free. We are grateful to partner up once again with the higher Holy Spirit self and to consciously attune to infinite love and to live in this high vibration. What I know for each and every one of us is that we are grateful and thankful to call forth dynamic healing. We are calling forth true inspiration and ahas. We are grateful and thankful to let go of the habits of negativity, blame, regret, repeating the past. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to experience true beauty, true joy, great laughter and light. This is our destination. This is our true nature. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves the freedom to love and be loved without limits. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to be lifted, carried, and guided. We are grateful and thankful to celebrate our learning, to be the happy, joyful learners. And in gratitude, we let the past go. In gratitude, we allow ourselves to know true freedom, sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. We allow our healing to be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So um, the the song this week is, uh, it makes me laugh. Uh, it's an old Queen song called Another One Bites the Dust. And to me, it's the song I, I would sing sometimes when I was 
giving those judgments away to the Holy Spirit, I'd sing, another one bites the dust, another one bites the dust. So uh, I find it very helpful, and, uh, <laughs> and it makes me laugh, too, which is good. So Queen, another one bites the dust. Enjoy, and I love you. Have a great week. Yeah.